You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcasts, and I have uh, Stacey Erickson Edwards. She's the founder of CPAPbabes.com, and a CPAP uh, is a device for people that have apnea. It's a continuous positive airway pressure device. It blows air into your mouth and nose and, and throat and keeps your uh, throat open while you sleep, so you don't it doesn't collapse and cause you to, uh, you know, to essentially to choke out tens or even hundreds of times a night and uh, helps people that have sleep apnea problems. So as far as I understand it, but uh, Stacey, thanks yeah. for coming. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you for having okay. me. Yeah. So tell me, uh, I don't know, CPAP babes. It sounds like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think of like, you know, gorgeous women wearing CPAPs or something and modeling them. But uh, what, what's the premise of the whole uh, effort? Yeah. So when I got diagnosed with sleep apnea, it was I'm 35 now. I think I was 32. So a few years ago. And I think it kind of started because so I've been I was really tired for about 16 years. I was having a hard time getting a diagnosis. I was having a hard time even getting a sleep study. Finally got the sleep study and they said sleep apnea. And I kind of did was like, there's no way I can have sleep apnea because I'm a cute ish girl. I always thought it was just big, heavy men who had it. Um, who snored loudly and I didn't do that. So I got the machine and I think the first night I was like kind of embarrassed. And then the second night I just took a picture and said, I look babely. I'm a babe. And so I just started, started using this hashtag CPAP babes. And I was like, you know, it's very important that, that one people see that there's, you know, this machine that has this really, really bad rap. I mean, people would rather die than wear this machine sometimes. So I wanted to kind of bring some light to it and just be, I'm babely. I have this machine. I'm well rested. I'm not, I'm healthy. I'm not dying. So yeah, I'm a CPAP babe. That's just kind of started out to be a fun thing because I thought, I think the machine gets so much hate and I don't think that's really fair. And I think that stigma really prevents people from um, seeking treatment. And that's it's scary because uh, sleep apnea really is a serious condition that can cause all sorts of health, bad health issues. So I just wanted to kind of bring some light to it, make it fun, but without making it a joke. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, you you would think on the one hand you're sleeping, who's going to see you sleeping? Um, but I know it could be uh, definitely could be a stigma. I mean, I, I don't know. I may need one. I have to go for a sleep study. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I guess my thoughts about it are. If other people find out you have one, they'll think that you're bad or you did something wrong or there's something wrong with you that you have to have this. So I don't know how women would feel about it versus men. I guess yeah, men would I, feel like um, they're not powerful and they're not capable. Mm-hmm. Women, I don't know how it would affect them mentally, but what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think the most common myth about sleep apnea is that you have to be overweight to have it. And that's just not mm-hmm. true. So I think part of it, there's a huge stigma against people who are overweight. So I think that's part of it. If they, you know, some people are like, oh, you have a CPAP. Well, this is what you should be doing to not have a CPAP. And I don't think it's everything should be about do everything in your power to get off this machine. I think it can be like, I have this machine and I'm accepting it and it's okay. So I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know exactly what the stigma is. I think it's just that it's ugly. is <laughs> part of it. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. It's associated with kind of being overweight and it's, I think it's okay to be overweight personally. Like I think that's there's more important things to worry about, but um, you know, I think I'm trying to, as a woman, I'm actually very glad that I was diagnosed in my thirties rather than in my twenties, because I think in my twenties, I would have been almost too proud to wear. I would, Oh, I don't need that. Oh, I can do something about this. Oh, there's something else. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if you, aren't sleeping well. I mean, for example, what if you, if it, your sleep apnea is weight related, it isn't always, and you can't even lose that weight unless you're getting good enough sleep to, um, to have the energy to change your habits anyway. So it's very, uh, it's very complicated. I think there's so much wrapped into it. So obviously I got a little off track there, but, um, But yeah, as a woman, one of the things that's been interesting about having CPAP babes is people will get the machine and then they'll send me a message and they'll be like, I really did not want this machine, but I saw you making this kind of fun and it made it easier for me to accept. And now I'm using it regularly. And that's That's been very powerful for me. I think a lot of times people just need a good role model or just even just to know that they're not alone, I think is very important because I think especially women my age will go into it and be like, oh my gosh, no one else in their 30s has has a CPAP mm. and then you know lots of us do and it's it's not a bad thing it's actually really helping us function and be the best women we can be so um and funny yeah. enough after I got diagnosed my my husband had been diagnosed before me but just never followed up and got his machine so after mm. I got diagnosed and got my machine he actually followed up and he's doing a lot better just with with his health and with even at work, he was very cranky before and he does a lot better at work now um, because he's sleeping better. So it's been really cool to see just how it's affected my whole family. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at some of the pictures. There's not only women on the site, but I see men, and you know, older people, younger people. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Babies. Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes little said, kids will uh, have it. Yeah, that, that's something I learned recently that surprised me that kids can have sleep apnea and you shouldn't just assume that because they're kids, they can't. And then, um, like you said, just because someone's heavy doesn't mean they have it. Just because they're thin doesn't mean they don't have it. So I guess mm-hmm. it uh, you know, yeah. affects uh, anyone, anyone. I have a friend who's a very lean, attractive personal trainer. He, I mean, he's muscular, but he's also lean and, you know, he works out every day and he has it very bad. He, and he uses a CPAP and it's just totally changed his life. 
um, and his wife's life too, because she's um, <laughs> she has to deal with the loud snoring. So it's so neat to see just how people benefit from it. The, so, the other thing that's interesting about um, with kids is that a lot of kids who have behavior issues actually just um, it's a lack of sleep. So I be- I don't know the exact um, statistic, but I believe it's about 10% of ADD cases are actually undiagnosed and untreated sleep apnea. Just because if you're not sleeping, it's hard to pay attention. It's hard to behave in the way that society wants us to. So I always tell parents, um, if they're having behavior problems with kids, just get a sleep study, first of all, just just to rule it out. Because there's, um, there's things sometimes if that if sleeping is an issue, or if sleep apnea is an issue, you can address that. And with kids, they don't always have to go on CPAP. Sometimes they can remove their tonsils and their adenoids, and that makes their sleep apnea go away. So um, it's just very interesting. I think there's a whole world in with sleep apnea and CPAP that we just do not know about that I didn't know about before I got diagnosed and kind of got into it. And that's kind of what I, why I do what I do, because I just think I could have felt better way earlier if I would have known all this stuff when when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides uh, making it seem okay and showing pictures and showing that, you know, not everyone's alone and all that, um, can anything be done to make the CPAP itself look better, look less scary? Or is that not really uh, where you think the magic is? It's more in the community of knowing like, who has one and that it's okay that you know, I look, oh, look, this lady is only 25 and she's thin and she has yeah. one. So I'm not, I'm not a bad person for having one, for instance. Or is there more to yeah. it? Like literally the looks of it, do you think that would have an effect? I, yes, I would. I mean, if there's any CPAP companies listening who want to hire me as a consultant, I think there's so much that can be done with the masks just to make them fun. There's one company makes a machine with flowers on it. And then there's a mask called uh, the For Her mask that's purple. But I think as people, younger people, millennials, I guess I'm a millennial, are getting diagnosed, I think there's a huge opportunity to make them more attractive and make them kind of fun. I think they've put a lot of um, time into making them more um, more comfortable in the past years. Like uh, there's lots of different masks and like configurations on your face that uh, different places, they have one right now where the hose comes out of the top of your head instead of your nose so that's supposed to be more comfortable but I really think design wise there is a lot we could do and I I mean my I always say my dream is to have my own line of polka dot CPAP masks because I I really like polka dots so um I'm really hoping I mean hoping that part of what I the awareness work I'm doing can and maybe someday I can hook up with one of these companies and just find ways where people can um, personalize their mask and personalize their machines and just make it a little more fun. Cause that's a big complaint that I hear from people is that it, it's so medical and it is cause it is a medical device, but I think it is, it's something you wear every night and some people for their whole lives. So I think uh, taking the opportunity to make it fun would maybe make people comply with treatment more, which is the ultimate goal for most um most people, they have a hard time complying. So I think anything to make it fun is very important. And I'm really hoping the industry starts to kind of recognize that and go that way as, you know, as younger people are getting diagnosed and we're like, hey, we want polka dots. I want a cat. I want a mask with a cat face on it. You know, I just think that's that's a huge thing that could could make a difference for people. I think there's there's a lot of aspects, but I think that could definitely help. I would love that. What about, I mean, since you're, um, 
since you're thinking along these lines and since you use one, what things about it would you say should be changed? Maybe, um, you know, a lot of people reject them. They can't use them. They so they can't get used to them as so they don't, unfortunately. So why do you think that happens? And what have you thought of that uh, maybe could make the CPAPs better? You know, if you had a, they gave you a couple million dollars and said, all right, make, make it better CPAP <laughs> that people will be able to use better. What would you do to make it different? Well, there's a couple things. I think the first thing is that um, better follow-up is needed at the sleep clinics and at um, with the doctors. So I feel like with my, I have had to drive my process to get to get the sleep study and get in the machine and do the follow-up and make sure it's working right. That's a huge part of it. Um, there, the machines now they auto-adjust, so there's a certain pressure range, but what happens is a lot of times if you aren't able to, if you're not tolerating it, sometimes the pressure's wrong. And then people say, oh, well, my pressure auto adjusts. But sometimes with the range of pressure, it's still not narrow enough. And people don't know that. And doctors don't really follow up on that well. So I think one piece is to have better follow-up. Um, what I've thought about is um, one thing I'd love to do. There's a, when you, if you're a smoker, there's a thing called the quit line where if you want to quit smoking, you call the quit line and they coach you through it. They can help you get medications to help you quit. They, they can help you get the patch and they coach you through it. And I would love mm -hmm. to see something like that for sleep apnea and CPAP where you get the machine and then the machine has the sticker with that number on it and someone can coach you through the whole process. They can say, oh, it sounds like your pressure might be wrong. Uh, can you get back into the doctor to do this? Or we have a sleep tech who can change your pressure re remotely. I think follow-up and support is a huge piece of it. And I think people just don't get the support they need and they quit. Um, and it, it's a very, very serious public health issue because there's people sleepy driving around. Someone in my hometown actually ran, I think, some kids over and killed them because he had undiagnosed sleep apnea and he fell asleep at the wheel. So it's, I mean, it's very sad and it's very serious. I think there's a lot more that we can be doing with that, with the follow-up. I also think um, with the machines, they're actually right now they made a there's a handful of travel machines out there. I have one of them. It's called the ResMed Air Mini, and it's very small. It's about they used to compare it to a can of like Diet Coke. It's about that size. It's about the size of a cell phone. Um, and I actually I I received one and my husband and I both got one for free to do a commercial for it. It's a really fun commercial. It's on the ResMed website. Um, so it's very small and they, what they told us when we, when we got it is that it could not be used as a daily machine, but in reality, my husband broke his big machine and he's been using the air mini for months now, just as his daily machine. And it's been just fine. So I think making this machine smaller is going to make a big difference. Um, and then obviously making more fun. And the other thing is that they're just expensive. Um, mine, even with insurance and with my deductible, I paid about a thousand dollars. And that's a huge hardship for people, especially I live in Seattle and um, housing is just really, really expensive here. So it's hard to get those health care costs in and with the deductible. So I think if there's any way to drive down the costs, that's a huge issue, too. And then, again, just awareness and taking away the stigma. Um, one example that's very interesting is, um, you know, the show Roseanne came back for about a month or something and then something happened with it. But um, the first episode, actually the opening scene of the Roseanne reboot is her husband, Dan, it has a CPAP machine. And I think in the 
original series he died but actually he didn't die or I don't know what happened but um I guess he probably had sleep apnea and that's why they thought he died he had a heart attack which sleep apnea can cause heart, cause heart attacks but when this reboot was happening I saw this article and it said Roseanne's back with the same cast the same characters and a horrifying CPAP machine and I got I was really upset about that and I probably did a ranty video on YouTube and I um I sent the people who wrote that article a letter because putting, I think putting that kind of language out around it, horrifying, they could have just said, and a CPAP machine. But I think that it's really contributing to the stigma and it's, it's hurting people's health a lot. So I think finding a way to change the way we think about it and change our mindset about it is going to really help us make progress in getting more people the treatment that they need. Um, So yeah, mindset's a huge part of it and just the public image. And that's really what I'm hoping I'm doing one tiny bit at a time is just making it, making people feel okay about it. So there's, there's just so much wrapped up in it that needs to be changed. And um, I, I want it to happen. I'm I'm hoping as time goes on, we can really do that. Even, even if it's just a little, even if it's just, a, you know, 10 people stick with treatment for longer. I think that that can be really powerful. Well, why don't you, um, since you have an audience, why don't you do a service? You know, you'd have to disclaim that it's not medical advice, but you could see if um, people that are in your audience are willing to have a buddy. Let's say, you know, you can get assigned a CPAP buddy, an experienced user for like the first 30 days, and they'll check in with you like, I don't know, once a week or something, or once every few days and and help you. I've definitely thought about that. There is a company right now um, named Lofta, and they have a coach that they can that they can um, assign you when you get your sleep study through them. I have so, I'm so passionate about so many things. So there's so many things I want to do. Um, interestingly, I have, in addition to sleep apnea, I have a different sleep disorder that's similar to narcolepsy. So I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> Funny enough, I feel like a very, um, it's, it feels weird as a sleep apnea advocate to say that I'm tired, but I do, you know, I do have an underlying sleep disorder called it's called idiopathic hypersomnia my grandma had narcolepsy so that unfortunately interferes with a lot of what I can do but at the same time what's so great about that is I'm doing having both of those I'm able to participate in lots of different kind of awareness awareness opportunities like I just went to DC and um, talked about funding sleep research and that sort of thing so I would love in the future to be able to start some sort of business. I've thought about becoming a sleep tech so I could be like a coach, just uh, uh, coach people on, on sleep apnea. But yeah, it's hard to know what I can do with, with a medical background or not sort of thing. So I have lots of good ideas in my head, but it's just kind of finding the time and energy to do and money to do them. So, um, but right now I, I think, I think there's a lot, there's a couple really big things I've done lately. Um, I just did a video for a very big um, website. And so I'm hoping with that, just there's little ways I can get my message out and gain a following and then hopefully be able to take on some of these projects and maybe get a little funding here or there. Maybe I think maybe there's a grant out there because I think it it very, it is needed. I just, I can't do it alone with, with the amount of energy and, and I have a new baby too. Well, I have a one-year-old now. So um I'm just very passionate and it's just always like, oh, there's all these things I want to do, but it's just, it's not in the cards quite yet. Hopefully, I'm hoping that something like that comes out because I think it's so needed. 
um, right now, what's nice is I, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot and I'm on Facebook a lot. And so sometimes I'm people just send me a message and they're like, Hey, I'm having a hard time with this. And I'm like, well, not medical advice, but maybe try these things. So it's nice, even just on a small scale to be able to help people out and to be kind of the go-to person, even though it might not be legal, but <laughs> I don't give medical well, advice. Well, 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 I know, I know. You, as long as you disclaim it and you tell people to check yeah. with their doctor, I think, you know, well, again, I'm giving advice, but who knows that that may help. I don't know. You have to find out. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. What are the most common problems that people come to you with? And, you know, what are some of the general suggestions that may be able to uh, affect them? Um, I think one is people have a hard time um, keeping their mask on at night. And there's actually a guy on YouTube that is just the best. His name is on YouTube. His name is the Lanky Lefty 27. And I refer people to his videos a lot because he basically looks at every problem you have and he can say, okay, here's what you should try. I think uh, people's pressure is wrong a lot of the time. Um, so uh, talking to your doctor about a pressure adjustment. I mean, unfortunately though, sometimes the doctors don't really know. So um, you're not supposed to do this, but I actually adjusted my own pressure. <laughs> um, and you can find out how to do that on YouTube, but I didn't tell you that. And my, my doctor saw that I had done it and he was like, did you do your own pressure? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's fine. You have, you know, you have the knowledge to not mess yourself up. But um, there's also uh, a lot of, there's a couple of Facebook groups uh, for sleep apnea and CPAP that kind of will tell you that insider advice that have been very helpful. So I think wrong pressure is a common problem. And I think um, the other one is people have the wrong mask. So I think one thing people don't know is that in the beginning stages, your insurance usually lets you try a couple different masks to get the right fit. So the first 30 days of treatment, usually they'll say, okay, you can try a couple different masks, but then it's, you know, again, the follow-up and getting into the doctor to do all that. And then also sometimes if treatment hasn't kicked in yet, you're still really tired. <laughs> so, so it is, it's hard, but really I think pressure is one of the most. Um, the the things that people struggle with the most and they don't know how to change that or how to approach that. Well, what does that mean? If it's too little pressure, well, you'll still feel tired. If it's too much pressure, yeah. you choke or whatever. Yeah. So basically the pressure, there's a range. It's I, I'm trying to think of the technical term. So usually when you get the, the auto adjusting machine, the pressure ranges from four, four centimeters of water pressure to 20 centimeters of water pressure. That's what it's set at, which I don't know exactly what that means, but it's basically how strong the air is. So I have had, I, I had that range and at four and what it does, what my machine was doing, it had a ramp feature. So it would put me in at the four, the four level and, and it would blow the air in, but it wasn't enough air. So I felt like I was choking. And then after a half hour, it would ramp up to what I needed which was, uh, I think, like eight to 10. So um, basically, the range was not was too wide, and I wasn't able to get the air I needed. So I think sometimes if the pressure is too little, people feel like they can't breathe, and then they just take off the machine. So a lot of times, there's just a pretty simple adjustment needed there. Because um, if you're at four, and then even if you can keep it on, you have a lot more episodes, because the four pressure, the whatever the low pressure is just isn't enough. And then what, uh, Jason, the guy on YouTube with the lanky lefty 27, he explains this very well in one of his videos. He says sometimes you go in at the four pressure and then it adjusts within a half hour and then you're at a good pressure. But in that half hour, you're having all these events. So you're still tired. Then some people will uh, shut off the machine in the middle of the night to get up and go to the bathroom and come back. And then it does it all over again. 
So it has to adjust all over again. So there's just these, you're having more events and you're extra tired. So, um, and it's very interesting how I've actually never heard a doctor talk about this. It's all stuff I've learned on my own, which I think is very telling um, just how much support is needed for the whole thing. Mm, yeah, that's true. Well, I heard they call the process titrating and they have auto titrating yeah. ones that are supposed to change as you need it. Yeah. And they used to, when they weren't auto titrating, you'd usually have to go in and do a follow-up sleep study to titrate it. I don't think they do that a ton anymore. I think they do still do do it some, but I think the auto adjusting machines were supposed to solve that. But I think there's really more needed than, than what the auto machines can do. I think you do really need a, a human to look at that and kind of see what's going on. So, and um, Jason at, uh, he, oh, I wish I could, I should find his website, but he actually will do like, he's a sleep tech and he'll do a consultation with people too and look at their data, which I think is a very good service too. So I'll try to find that information and get it to you because, um, because I just, he's a, he's a great resource. He's, I think pretty much the number one sleep apnea YouTuber and he's just, and he's, and he's funny. So their his videos are not only informative, they're very entertaining. So I just really like him. He's, he's a yeah, good, I see him. It's uh, the lanky lefty 27. And the website is freecpapadvice.com. It looks yep. like. Yep. Yeah. And he has um, okay. home sleep tests he ha- that he offers um, for a fee, obviously. But um, yeah, he just does a lot. He's a he's amazing. He's really fun. <laughs> okay. That's excellent. So what's, um, yeah. what feedback have you gotten from the community you're building that surprised you that you didn't think would uh, would happen? I mean, I just didn't think it would pick up, really. I mean, I so I have two other businesses um, that I've done stuff with and they did okay. But with this, I was just surprised at how many people needed it. You know, how many people just, even if they're doing okay with therapy, just to feel better about it. So I was just surprised that people responded to it so well. I was surprised that I got so many nice messages just saying I made it easier for them. It's just meant everything to me because just because I've struggled so long with it. And it's just like, just to know that my struggling wasn't for nothing. So um, yeah, I just, I, that that's the most surprising thing is just that people are listening and that people need it and appreciate it. I, and it's, you know, it's a very weird kind of thing to have. Like, I think I've done all these normal things in business. I have this home organizing business. I have a social media business, but then I get the weirdest, most niche thing and people respond to it. So, um, and especially to know how many women really need that kind of support too, because I think a lot of people don't even realize that women have sleep apnea at maybe, I don't think it's researched well enough, but at the same rate as men, it's not like just a men's disease. Like I think I, I thought, and like what many people thought before, it can really affect anyone, any body type, any, any, uh, gender identity, any, uh, snoring or not snoring there's just so many things so it's so it has I think that's just been the most interesting thing just to see how many people are like this is awesome thank you for doing this I'm like wow okay cool <laughs> you know it's a sleep apnea machine but but people but it res people and that's just been so fun for me so what do you see as the future of your work over the next uh, year what do you what would be ideal for you to have happen um I mean, I would love to just develop more of a following. And what I'm doing is just trying to be consistent and get the word out there and take every opportunity that I can to spread the word, you know, like talking to you, um, doing this big video coming up. Um, I went to DC 
about a couple months ago and talked to representatives um, about sleep research. I did that with, there's a nonprofit called Project Sleep um, and the founder of that has narcolepsy. Um, so that's been really cool. So right now my plan is just to be plugging away and get the word out there as much as I can. And I would love um, as things grow, I would love to do more influencer work. I think I don't quite have the time and energy to start my own thing at this point, but I would love, you know, I'd love to partner with some of these companies just to make things, I mean, younger kind of, I think there's a huge opportunity to appeal to a younger generation with this kind of stuff because people my age and younger are needing these masks. So I think there needs to be kind of a upset in the industry to, to make it more fun. So yeah, I think there's so many things I want to do, but just right now I'm just like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and see what comes my way and just know that there's, there's big things ahead. So, um, but I think there's so many different forms it can take. So I'm not quite sure exactly what, what it all, all is going to look like, but I really think there are big things coming and that I can do a lot. And I mean, really, I think one of my big goals is I would love to be on Ellen. I think that would be a huge platform to just um, to get people diagnosed and to get them feeling better about their machines. So I say my three goals are awareness. So awareness about sleep apnea and um, getting diagnosed. Um, and then the other one is appreciation. So appreciation for the machine and then empowerment, same thing, feeling empowered about using the machine instead of having it just be this thing that you despise. So anything I can do to reach those goals is what I do. Even if it's a small thing, that's what I'm going for right now. That's great. Well, I'm glad to have you on the podcast because, you know, I've talked to well over a hundred sleep professionals and we've talked a lot about apnea and oh, this is what happens during apnea scientifically, et cetera. And yes, it'll make you feel better, but it's been very rare to talk to anyone that talks about once you have a CPAP, you know, how to make sure it works for you and what are the psychological uh, aspects of it that affect you, whether you'll use it or not and comply and yeah. actually get the help you need. So I'm glad you've been on. And uh, yeah, so what's the best way for people to reach you and to get in contact with questions or ideas? Um, the best way is probably Instagram. I do have a website and a blog that I have a hard time keeping up to date sometimes, which I need to get on. Um, but uh, I'm at cpatbabes.com. Um, and then my email on there is, I think, uh, cpatbabes at gmail.com. But really, if you want to talk to me quick, DM me on Instagram, because I'm a little more involved in that. And that's kind of where most of the action happens is there's lots of pictures, there's lots of people talking. Um, I do also have a Facebook group that's not super active, but I'd like to get that going. And that's just CPAP Babes on Facebook. Um, and then I think I'm, I think I'm on pretty much all the platforms. I really, I really like social media, so maybe too much sometimes. Um, but yeah, Instagram's the best place and it's just CPAP Babes on Instagram. All right. Very good. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, 
or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.